Bridge Youth, how we doing tonight? I'm doing good. Thank you. How's everyone liking the weather so far? I heard that it's going to rain. Is that true? Is that fact or is that cap? I don't understand which one it actually is. We just had rain for a whole month, it felt like. And now finally the sun is out, feeling great. It was kind of warm these last few days, been loving it. So, uh, yeah, that's why everyone wants to move to California, right? All the people that are moving out, they're going to learn real quick. It's not the same weather. Hannah, right? Come on now. Uh, hey, my name is Wyatt. So nice to meet you. If we haven't met yet officially, either in person or personally, my name is Wyatt. I'm on staff here at the church. I get to be a part of this crazy group, as in Bridge Youth, and uh, I get to lead the young adults group as well here at the church. And uh, shout out too to the amazing Next Gen pastors or Generations pastors, Pastor Corey and Pastor Amber, for all that you guys do. Y'all are awesome for real. And y'all are killing it. And it's fun to be able to work with you guys. Corey, wherever you are, bro, love you, man. Um, but truthfully, I really do believe that tonight's going to be a good night. And maybe you came in here for the very first time. We just want to say welcome. Maybe a friend invited you. Hey, you came on a great night. Uh, on a Wednesday night, there's no other place that we would want to be than here at Bridge Youth. And we'd like to greet all of our guests and welcome all of them every single week by saying that we are here to build you up, not... Hey, we love you. We're so grateful that you're here tonight. Hey, we just started a brand new series last week called The Chase. Was anybody here for that kickoff of the series? It was an awesome series. Pastor Corey uh, did an amazing job kicking off the series, talking about love, talking about relationships, talking about dating, and essentially what that looks like for us in our lives. And I love series like this because it talks about the things that uh, you have already heard before, as in... The world, Instagram, social media, at your schools, you hear it from your friends, you hear it from your parents. Everyone is trying to tell you and is trying to feed to you exactly what it is that you should look for in someone. Everyone is trying to tell you about what type of relationship that you should be in when you're older, right? I mean, we even go to zodiac signs and star signs and what the universe has to say as to who it is that I should be dating, right? Well, I mean, you're a sun sign and I'm a water sign and it just makes perfect sense. Like, bro, what? Like, I don't think that the day or the month that you're born in really has anything to do with who it is that you should be with. I think ultimately it has to do with where is your heart, where is your spirit? Do you both love Jesus? Then that's a great start to be at. And tonight, we're going to be echoing a little bit as to what it was that Pastor Corey was talking about. But as we're here, it's Valentine's Day. Maybe for some of you, you're like, oh, so sweet. You know, my special someone got me something. Or maybe your friend got you something. But for the rest of you, for you, this is like really single awareness day, right? This is the day where you realize, oh, my gosh, I am by myself. And either that can make you sad or that can make you feel like, you know what? My life's not that bad, <laughs> you know? I ain't got no drama. I don't got to worry about anything or anything like that. And I could just move forward with my life. If you're on that boat, you can say amen. And uh, I remember when I was in high school, we had this thing on Valentine's Day. It was bold for the school to do this, but it was pretty funny being able to see it all happen. And on Valentine's Day, what you did or what you could do is that if you were with someone, you wore red. If you were available, you wore green. But if it was complicated, you wore yellow. And as I was thinking about this today, 
I thought that it would be hilarious if I could go back in time to that day and like imagine high school Wyatt in that moment, right? Like I'm with someone and you know, I'm confident and I'm like, you know what? I don't wear it very often, but I'll, I'll, I'll wear red today. Why not? And I show up to school, right, feeling good. All my buddies like, hey, dude, what's up, bro? Like, you're with someone? Yeah, dude. What can I say, you know? And then I see my girl, and she's wearing yellow. And it's like, like, like that was the day where you found out for sure. You know, fellas, if she is not proud of you in public, then you should not be with her at all. Someone say amen to that. And all of my ladies, same thing. If you were to show up at school wearing red and your boy was wearing green, it's time to go, right? That's a green light as in go. Keep on moving and keep on going forward, right? That's the easy way out of the relationship. I remember uh, in middle school when I was quote-unquote dating someone. When I say dating someone quote-unquote, really what that meant was that I only saw them at school. You know what I mean? And the only time that you see them is during break and lunch. So out of five days of the week, I am seeing this person that I'm with for 40 minutes. It's not real, right? And so when I was in middle school, I remember so vividly that I was in drama class because it was this selective. I just got enrolled to it and you just had to take it. I remember sitting in this class and I got a message from her and it was saying, hey, we're done. Over text. And I was like, I, like just imagine again, right? Little middle school white, even smaller. And he's just looking at his phone just... And just like creeping down in his chair, just heartbroken, right? Funny thing is, though, full circle moment right here. In high school, we started talking again. But the thing is, is that things weren't working out. So I saw my shot, and I shot, and I sent her a text saying, hey, it's not going to work out. <laughs> so full circle moment. And here's the thing, right? It didn't work out because God had something better for me and Miranda. Come on, somebody. My gosh. You know what's crazy? I got asked this question. I want to say it was either last week or on Sunday. Somebody asked me, how did you meet Miranda? And it's so funny because I still remember to this day that I met Miranda doing ministry. I met Miranda here from this stage. She was actually up here beforehand leading worship right over here. She was singing oceans with all of her heart and all of her spirit. And I was just over here enamored, just like, oh, my gosh, yes, Lord. Lead me. Lead me, Lord. Right, and then you hit, her with the, you hit her with the Christian riz and you say, hey, you led oceans really well. Can I take you out on a little Bible, Bible study? I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna read Ruth with you, right? Like, I don't know. That's what you gotta do, right? Y'all need to be taking notes tonight because some of y'all just be like, nah, that's not gonna work, bro, trust me. Be led by the Spirit, amen. Um, let's just pray, Ben, y'all can just come on up. I'm just kidding. But, you know, we talk about in a real way, taking the easy way out, right? Breaking up with someone over text message, breaking up with someone uh, wearing the type of shirt that you have on for school, right? I don't know about you, but I think we can all relate, maybe not in the sense of a relationship, but we can all make sense and we can all relate with taking the easy way out in life, right? Maybe this is a great example for you. You were supposed to study for the test, but it was just too difficult. And you procrastinated and you get to the day of and you're like, oh my gosh, I have a test in fifth period. And you use periods one through four, including lunch and break, to study and to try to put in as much information as you possibly can. And by the time that you get to the test, you take the easy way out and you just guess all of them, right? BC, 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 all the way through. That's the easy way out. That's the easier 
thing to do. Maybe there's a moment in your life where you realize that you have taken the easy way out. And I wonder why we do this. And I think really the only reason why that is is because of pain. Is because it's difficult to do the right thing sometimes. But how many of us know that the easy way out isn't always the right thing? The easy thing isn't always the right thing. Sometimes the right thing is more difficult than the easy thing. Sometimes the right thing takes more time than the easy thing. But instead we almost see this like easy way out as our, you know, like, like break glass in case of emergency to get out of a situation. Maybe it is in a relationship and it's like, hey, things just aren't working. And instead of having the conversation with someone, you send a text over to them saying, hey, I'm done. And you just delete their number and you try to move on. Because it's the easy way out. You don't want the difficult thing. You don't want the thing that might hurt you. You might not want the thing that might cause you pain. But we have to understand that the easy thing is not always the right thing. The easy way out is not always the right way to go. You know, as Pastor Corey was talking last week, he was talking about the three M's. And he was talking about what it is that we chase after. He talked about how we're supposed to chase after our master, a.k.a. God, the one who created us. He talked about chasing after our mission, what it is that we're called to. And then he talked about chasing after our mate and how all of those things go in order. Some of y'all right, might, might remember it like this. When you walked out, you got some M&Ms, all right? Now, here's the thing. What we're going to be talking about tonight is that we're going to be talking about three C's. And the message title for us tonight is the three C's of compromise, and for us, instead of M&M's, we actually have C's candy on the way out. Uh, I'm just kidding, we don't. Um, which doesn't even have C in it. Some of y'all were legit bummed. You were like, oh, I was hoping, right? But we're going to be talking about three C's. And instead of looking at it from the perspective of what are we chasing after, we're going to be looking at it from the perspective of what's chasing after us. Because we have to realize that in everyday life, compromise is right around the corner. We have to realize that compromise is taking the easy way out. Compromise is doing the easy thing rather than the right thing. And I know what you're thinking because maybe you're in a situation right now where you've compromised. Maybe you've compromised in a relationship. Maybe you've compromised in your life and you've gone against what it is that you should have done and you've taken the easy way out. And you have this train of thought right before you make that decision and right before you pull the trigger and you tell yourself this, well, it's just one time. Well, it's just one moment, right? I can stop at any point. I can say no at any point. But here's the thing is that if you say yes enough, it's very difficult to then change it to a no. When you say yes enough, it's very easy to make the yes, to, to make the next decision that you make after that yes, another yes. It's very difficult to say no at a certain point. And what's turned into or what's gone from one moment, it's now turned into 10. What's gone from a second in a day has now gone into days. What has now gone from one decision, it has now decided parts and areas of your life. All because you said yes to one time. All because you looked at something one time. All because you sent out one text or one picture. All, all because you said yes and you compromised once. And now all of a sudden you can look back on your life and realize, man, how did I get here? And it was all because it started with a yes and saying yes to compromise. The sermon in a sentence tonight is that compromise is like a door that is easier to open than it is to close. Compromise is like a door that is easier to open 
than it is to close. See, the verse that comes to mind when I think about this, and really the verse that inspired me, is found in Genesis chapter 4. If you go all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible, if you know your Bible, Genesis at the very end, or, or sorry, at the very end of the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve go out, and they have a family, and they have two sons, Cain and Abel. Now here's the thing, they both had an argument about what sacrifice that they were bringing, and Cain is mad, he's upset, and God comes to him and he says, Cain, why are you upset? And he essentially goes on and he says, be careful because sin is crouching at the door. And what he's saying is, is that if you were to look out your door, if you were to look out of your people or maybe even your ring camera at some point, somebody was knocking on the door and you looked out it and you didn't see anyone, you would think no one's there. And it's the same thing when it comes to compromise, is that compromise is knocking on your door and when you look out, you don't see it. But as soon as you start to open it, compromise is ready to barge in. It's ready to steal, kill, and destroy all that you have. And it's not going to stop unless you make it stop. See, but the thing with compromise is that it gives, you a little, it gives you a little lie. Because it tells you, I can only do this once and then I'm done. Right? I can open up the door a little bit. You know, I can get as close to the line as I possibly can without stepping on it just a little bit. But you'll realize that it's harder to close that door than it ever was to open it. See, opening up compromise is easy. Saying yes is easy. But standing and resisting and saying no is a whole other thing. And when we look at scripture, we can see moments where people have compromised. And we can see moments where people have said yes to the wrong things, have said yes to the easy thing, rather than going through with what was right in front of them. And tonight what we're going to be doing as we talk about compromise is that we're going to be talking about the life of Jesus. We're going to be using the life of Jesus as an example. This moment that we're going to be talking about is before Jesus' ministry. So Jesus hasn't performed any miracles. He hasn't done anything in terms of like preaching or stuff like that. He hasn't led anybody to himself. But it's this moment found in Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus is led into the wilderness to be tempted. Now what we're going to be doing right now is that we're going to jump into that passage, starting off in verse 1. Could we all stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? Matthew chapter 4, starting off in verse 1, going up until verse 4, says this. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. I love the Bible because there's so much depth in it. But I also love it because it points out the obvious. <laughs> Jesus was in the wilderness. He hasn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights, and he became very hungry. Same, dude. I get hungry after 40 minutes, you know, let alone 40 days of not eating anything. So I could only imagine what Jesus was feeling. He became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, for tonight. We thank you, God, for this moment where we get to gather, Lord, in this place to be able to hear from you tonight. 
God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that it has the ability to infiltrate our lives and infiltrate our hearts, Lord. Help it, God, to sink into us. God, I pray that as these words go out, that they would be your words and not mine, Jesus. Let it bring transformation and let it bring life growth. In Jesus' name, we can all say amen. Hey, have a seat. So, based off of what we just read and based off of the message title that I said, the first C that we're going to be talking about in regards to compromise is character. Someone say character. One more time. Someone say character. So Jesus, like I said before, is in the wilderness. And he's fasting, which means that he's not eating anything. He hasn't eaten anything for 40 days. And as he's out there in the wilderness, the devil comes up and starts tempting him. And the first thing that he tells him is to turn these rocks that are right in front of him into loaves of bread. Now, if you're like me, and if you get hungry easily, or if you've ever gone in, you know, a period of time where you haven't eaten anything, you know how hungry you can get. You know your breaking point. You know where you're at the point where you're like, dude, I just got to eat something. It could be something that I hate and I'll still eat it because I absolutely need it. Well, Jesus is in a similar situation but far more advanced. And he's in this situation where he's in the wilderness and he hasn't eaten anything. He's been praying. He's been fasting. He's been preparing. And then all of a sudden the devil comes along with compromise. All of a sudden the devil comes along and he gives Jesus an ultimatum. He says, hey, you could do this, right? I mean, you say that you're the son of God. If you really are and you really want to prove it to me, then turn these rocks into loaves. Essentially saying, hey, you're hungry. I can tell that you're hungry. I can tell that you need something. Man, I'm just, I'm just looking out for you. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to help you in this, right? I don't want you to be hungry. I don't want you to be in need. So how about you turn these stones into rocks? Or how about, no, how about you turn these rocks into loaves of bread, and then you can feed yourself, and then you can feel better, and then you can have some of your strength sustained, and then, you know, you can, you can go back to your fast after that. See, ultimately, what the devil was trying to do was that he was trying to get Jesus to compromise on his character. He was trying to get Jesus to go against what it was that the Spirit was trying to do in his life. Because remember, it was the Spirit who led him into the wilderness. It was a part of God's plan for him to go into the wilderness and be tempted by the devil. And here's the reason why. is because Jesus needed to preach to himself in the wilderness before he could preach to thousands on a mountain. He needed to preach to himself in the wilderness with nobody around before he could ever get to his preaching to thousands of people. He needed to go through this moment of fasting, this moment of humility, this moment of almost breaking, and he had to go through this moment to realize that even though I am God, because that's what we believe here at the bridge, we don't just think that Jesus was a good guy, although he was. We don't just think that he was a good teacher, although he was. We believe that Jesus is 100% God and 100% human. And although he was 100% God, he still felt every single pain that you feel. He still felt every single emotion that you feel. The anger, the rage, the joy, the happiness, the sorrow, the sadness, all of the same things that you and I feel are the same things that Jesus felt. And so when it came to, in Matthew, 4 verse 2 when it says that Jesus became very hungry it wasn't like his God side came out and said hey I'm going to sustain this for you so that you don't have to feel this pain but he was feeling every little bit of hunger that he was going through within that moment 
And so he's in his human form, he's in his flesh, and he's having to battle between himself as to whether or not he's going to take the easy way out or he's going to do the right thing and stick with his fast. See, but here's the reality, is that Jesus was all alone. There was nobody around him. And I could imagine that at this point, the devil is trying to tell him, hey, no one's got to know. No one's around. No one can see you. It's just you and me out here. Yeah, you, you can feed yourself. Trust me. You will be fine. You will be okay. You're going to feel so much better if you do this. You're going to feel so much better if you just give in. You're going to feel so much better if you eat this bread that you're able to turn these rocks into. You will feel better with yourself and nobody has to know. And I believe that I'm speaking to someone right now because that's exactly the same thing that the enemy tells you when you're all by yourself. It's the same thing that the enemy tries to tell you when it comes to the moments where you are by yourself, there's no one around, and it's just you and your phone. It's just you and your thoughts. It's just you and the person that you're with. Nobody else is around. Hey, hey, you could do this once, and nobody has to know. No one's got to get hurt. It isn't, it's not going to hurt anybody. It's not going to affect anybody. Here's the best one. Best as in it gets used the most. Hey, you can just ask for forgiveness after. Hey, there's grace for you after, right? There's grace available. God's merciful. You believe that. God's full of love. You believe that. God has grace beyond all bounds. You believe that. So, you know, just, just do this one little time and no one's got to get hurt. And you can get back to doing what it was that you were doing before, following after God and doing exactly what he wants you to do. And I believe I'm speaking to someone Right now, because like I said, you have those same thoughts and you have that same mindset when you're by yourself. When you're in a position where the enemy wants to try to compromise you, those are the same thoughts that go through your mind. But what I can tell you from someone who's been there and from someone who has those similar attacks and similar, uh, similar temptations is that whatever it is that the enemy is telling you to compromise your character with, it's not worth it. It's not going to do you any good. It's not going to sustain you at all. Here's the interesting part. As I was reading this today, in, Ma in Matthew chapter 4, I never really thought about this part. But when the devil tells Jesus, hey, turn these rocks into a loaf of bread, right? For me, I'm a carbs guy. Dude, when it's Olive Garden, oh my gosh, I could chow down on some breadsticks for sure. But here's the thing. When I'm, when I'm hungry, anything sounds good. When you're desperate, anything sounds good. But we can have it in our right minds when we're not hungry that, yeah, bread sounds good, but, but it's not really going to fulfill me. It's not really going to give me any type of satisfaction, right? I might have one or two, but I'm waiting for the main course. I'm waiting for the main meal. I don't want to settle for the bare minimum just because I'm a little bit hungry. See, but Jesus was in a point of starvation. Jesus was in a point of desperation. Jesus was at a place in his bodily form that his body would take anything as a meal. See, what I realized in reading this was that the enemy really doesn't tempt us with the best. He tempts us with the bare minimum. But because we're desperate and because we're starving... And because we're in need of something and because nobody else is around, we look at the bare minimum as the best. We look at something that would only sustain us as something that would fulfill us. Don't fall for the trap. Because sacrificing your character for temporary satisfaction is not worth it. Because what Jesus was called to was higher. 
What Jesus was called to was more. What Jesus was called to was greater. And he had to learn what it was like to go through a temptation before he could ever preach to somebody else about avoiding temptation. If you're in a relationship right now, I really want you to hear me. And if you become single after this, do not blame me. It's the Holy Spirit. But when we were in leaders meeting before youth, and as we were talking about the message, this is the thought that came to mind. If you are in a relationship right now, or you are talking to someone right now, and that person or that relationship encourages you to compromise your character, they are not the one. And here's the thing, wait, wait, don't clap. Here's the thing. You might be thinking to yourself, yeah, well, I just got to pray about that. I already have, and that's a word from God for you. If they encourage you or if that relationship encourages you to compromise your character, they are not worth it. They are not the one. When you graduate high school, when you look back on your life, is the relationship that you're in right now, is the person that you're talking to right now, even is the person that you like right now going to become a regret that you have later on in your life? When you look back on your life, is the relationship that you're in gonna be a regret? Or is it gonna be one of those things where you're like, man, I dodged a bullet. <laughs> And I've learned from it and I've moved forward. I pray that each of you have that experience. But the reality is, is that some of you, even while I was saying that, you're still going to go back and you're going to have to figure it out the hard way. And I hate to say that. And I almost want to give you exactly what Proverbs 4 says, which says, get wisdom and learn good judgment. Find wisdom from God. Find wisdom from his word. Because can I tell you that your character isn't worth it. Do not allow the relationship that you're in to steal the character that God is trying to build inside of you. And it's difficult and it's tough. But here's the thing. The only way that we grow in life is to go through things that are worth enduring. The only way that we, that, that we grow in life is to go through things that are difficult. Is to go through things that are tough. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, Wyatt, when I'm in a compromising position, when I'm in a situation where I'm by myself, when I'm desperate, when I'm tired, where there's no one else around me, or when I'm with this person who's trying to get me to do something that's, that's outside of my character, that's outside of my comfortability, what am I supposed to do? Well, I want to give you two things. One of them, very practical. The other one is more spiritual. Here's a great way to look at it. James chapter 4, verse 7. James chapter 4, verse 7 says this. It says, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, I'm not saying that the person that you're with, if they try to compromise your character, is the devil. But here's the thing. You have to understand that the devil does not always come in an ugly form. Sometimes the devil comes in a good-looking face and sweet words. Sometimes the devil comes in a form that you would not even imagine. Sometimes the devil uses people in your life who you love and who are near and dear to you. Don't fall for it. God's word says humble yourselves. Other translations say go to God. Listen to God. Hear from God. Do not go into temptation. Notice it says humble yourselves before God before it says to resist the devil. A.K.A. go to God in those moments. Pray in those moments and then say 
No, it's not happening because I know myself. One time is not just going to be one time. One time is not just going to be once. It's going to be more than that. But when you say no and when you resist, the word is very clear that the devil will flee from you. Don't even open the door. Don't even crack it open just a little bit. Don't, don't even get curious about it, thinking, oh, whatever's on the other side, I can tame it. I can master it. I can get over it. No, you can't. Trust me. From someone who has been in your shoes, do not learn from your own mistakes. Learn from my mistakes. Do not learn wisdom from going through it on your own. Learn from other people's mistakes, and that's what real wisdom is. Go to God. Resist the devil, resist the compromise, resist the temptation, and he will flee from you. And then here's the spiritual side of things. Here's the good news. It says in Romans chapter 5, starting off in verse 3, going over to verse 5. It says, and we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. See the moment of temptation that you might be going through, the moments of compromise, the moments that sound good to you, the moments where the lie comes in to tell you it's just one time, this is a moment that we grow from. This is a moment that as we resist, we learn and we grow. It's a point to grow our endurance. It's a point for us to see not the temptation as an attack, but an opportunity for us to be able to grow in our life. And as we endure, it's going to develop our character. And as we develop our character, it's going to strengthen our hope, not just for ourselves, but ultimately for the people around us. Because here's the thing, that the people in your life are dependent on you to say no in the moments of compromise. There are friends, family members, people around you, even in this room right now, who are dependent on you saying no. Who are dependent on you developing your character and becoming the man and the woman that God has created you to be. But the only way to get to that point is to go through a moment of endurance. You know, yesterday I had a, I had a moment where I was outside praying. I was walking around. I kind of took my laps around the area. And as I was praying, I was praying for our young adults group. As I said, I get to lead that group. It's an amazing group. I love them. I love what God's doing in them and through them. And man, it's just so cool to be able to see that. And one of the prayers that I was praying was that God, that you would continue to grow us, not just in spiritual sense, but in numbers. You know, I have this dream in my heart to be able to see the young adults group here at the bridge, not just be where it's at, but even double. And I had this prayer in my heart where I said, God, I pray that you would help grow the young adults group to be 70, 100, and 120, and just have it progress, have it grow. And then all of a sudden, God dropped this inside of my heart, and he said, pray for character and integrity. He says, because you can have character and integrity for one gathering of 70, but that's not really what you want. You want to have character and integrity for multiple nights of 70, for multiple nights of 100, for multiple nights 
of 120. And it wasn't that God was saying, hey, stop that. Don't pray for that. Don't pray for growth. Pray for this instead. But he was saying that as you're praying for growth, don't forget to pray for, for character and integrity. And as you look at your life, you can pray for the dreams. You can pray for God to use you. You can pray for God to have you do amazing things in your life. But don't forget to pray for character and integrity. Because talent can get you up on a platform. Talent can gather around a crowd, but character is going to bring consistency. Because the calling that God has for you isn't just for a season, but it's for a lifetime. But the only way to see that through is by having strong character and by having good integrity. So don't compromise on it just for a moment. Amen? Let's jump back into uh, Matthew chapter 4. We're going to continue on in the temptation of Jesus. It says this, Matthew chapter 4, verses 5 and 7. It says, then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands. So you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Verse 7, Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Second point for tonight, the second point that the enemy wants to try to compromise our life in is calling. Someone say calling. I don't know if you realize this, but you have a calling on your life. There is something that you are designed for. There is something that you were made for. God has made and presented a purpose inside of your life. Ephesians 2.10 calls us God's masterpiece and that we were made or created to do good work. You were made for something. You were created for something. Other passages say that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Jeremiah tells us that we were knitted together within our mother's womb, meaning that God took his time on you. God took his time when it came to creating you. He didn't just hit randomize on your life and boom, there you were. But he put you together for a purpose and for a reason. And each and every one of us, as long as we are here on this earth, our calling is still present. Our calling is still here. There is still something that God wants to do inside of your life. If you believe that for yourself, can, you, can I hear you say amen? But notice the first two temptations that, that the devil tries to give Jesus before he even says what the temptation is. He says, if you are the son of God, if you are who you say that you actually are. Back up a little bit. Because in Matthew chapter 3, an amazing thing happens. Jesus gets baptized in the Jordan River. And at that moment, the Trinity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all present at this time. And all of a sudden, God's voice comes in and says, this is my Son, whom I am well pleased. And all of a sudden, in the next chapter, at Jesus' lowest and at his weakest point physically, at this point, the devil comes in and says, are you really because here's the thing, when it comes to you, you do have a calling on your life. You do have an identity on your life. You do have something that God wants to do. But the enemy is always going to try to come in and question that. Yeah, you know, I hear that you're God's masterpiece. But are you really? I, I hear that you're created for a purpose. But are you really? Is that really what he said? I'm, I'm, I'm sure that he meant that for some people, but he really didn't mean that for you, Right? And he wants you to question what it is that God actually told you. And this is an old trick, but he's still doing it today. He did that back in the Garden of Eden. 
when he told Adam and Eve, is that really what God said? Did he really say that you could die? Did he really say that you shouldn't eat from this tree? Because you know if you do, you'll be like God. But they didn't realize that even in their creation, they were already like God. And so the devil tried, and he does try, to tempt us by questioning what it is that God has told us. And for some of you, you feel like that you've already received a calling from God. You already feel like you know exactly what it is that God has called you to, whether it's ministry, whether it's teaching, whether it's to open up a business, whether it's to do sports, whatever it may be. Some of you have already heard that call. But how many of us can testify that how crazy is it that whenever we feel like we're called by God, the next thought is, yeah, but not me. Yeah, but that's not really for me, though. That was for the person right next to me, and God just wants me to tell them that instead. I want to let you know, God has called you. And he's called you for a purpose. And the enemy wants to try to get you to question that. Because if he can get you to question the calling that God's given you, lo and behold, you're going to start to question who God actually is. And that's ultimately what the enemy wants us to do, is to question who God is in our lives. And so when the enemy tells Jesus, hey, are you really the son of God? Is that really who you actually are? It's almost as if you're trying to tell him, hey, prove it. Then show me that you are the son of God. And he takes him up to the highest point in Israel. It's up on top of this temple. And he says, jump off. But when you jump off, these angels are going to come in. And notice what the enemy does is that he uses God's word or he tries to use God's word against Jesus. That's why you got to learn your word. That's why you got to be ready because whenever he tries to do that, you might take it as, oh, this is God telling me what I have to do. Get into your word. Know it. Be sharp in it. And what he does is that he tells Jesus when you jump off, angels are going to come and they're going to help rescue you. Well, here's the reality is that the enemy was trying to get Jesus to compromise on his calling. And Jesus didn't fall for it. See, what scholars believe is that at this point on the temple is that underneath in like the courtyard area is where all of the religious leaders were. If we fast forward in the Gospels, in the book of Matthew, we will see that it's the religious leaders, guys who are named, uh, their, their titles are Pharisees and Sadducees. And there's these guys who ultimately wanted to kill Jesus. They convicted him of some crimes that they made up. And ultimately, they were the ones who led Jesus to the cross. And ultimately, what the devil is trying to do is that he's trying to get Jesus to jump off of this temple so that all of these people down below can look up and see this miraculous sign and say, this is the Messiah. This is the one. And ultimately, what the devil is trying to do is that he's trying to get Jesus to take the easy way out. He's trying to get Jesus to take what was easy rather than what was, what was supposed to be right what he was actually called to. See, because if he jumps off and all of these Pharisees and Sadducees start to believe in him and start to worship him, well, then you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to die because they're all going to call you the Messiah. They're all going to believe in you. They're all going to hear what you say and follow after you. Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that exactly what you want to just go this way? I mean, this way is so, you know, this way is great. This way is better. This way, uh, people are going to hate you. People are going to be against you. You're going to have to die a horrible death. Like, this sounds awful. This way, though, this is better for you. And that's exactly what the devil is trying to do, is that he's trying to compromise Jesus in his calling. But we see within Matthew chapter 20, 
verse 28. As I said, we jump ahead into the story of Jesus. And this is what Jesus said. This is actually what he says on the night that Jesus was betrayed. This is the night going into the crucifixion. It says in verse 28, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served by others, but to give his life as a ransom for many. Let me read that again. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Notice what it is that the devil is trying to tell him. Hey, jump off and these angels will serve you. Everybody down below will serve you and you won't have to die. What was Jesus called to? He was called to be a servant and he was called to die a ransom death for you and for me. Now I'm grateful and we should all be grateful that Jesus chose the right way. And he didn't fall for that which was easy. Because if he went for what was easy, none of us would be here right now. And I have no idea what the world or earth would even look like. But I am so thankful that God chose and that Jesus chose to go through with what was right and what he was called to rather than what was easy. Because all of us benefit from it. Here's a thought that I have for you. How can you choosing your calling, choosing what it is that God has for you, how can that benefit other people, not only in your life right now, but future generations? How can you choosing to stand true to what it is that God called you to and not compromise and not take the easy way out, how can that decision change the trajectory of your future family, of your future spouse, of your future kids? How can the decision to stand true on what it is that God has called you to change the trajectory and affect other generations after you and the generation now. Because there's people that are counting on you. And I understand right now in your life, high schoolers, you're looking at your life and you're thinking, man, I have all this time. I'm a senior right now and I'm going to graduate and I have the whole world in front of me. And yes, that's true. But at some point, you're going to have to look back on your life and think about the decisions that you've made. If you were to look back on the decisions that you are making right now, would you regret them or would you be proud of them? Would they bring you closer to the calling that God has for you or would they bring you away? Are they the easy choice or are they the right thing? Because your future family is depending on it. Your future spouse is depending on it. Are you compromising in such a way where you and your future spouse are gonna have to have some awkward situations and some awkward conversations in the future? Or are you in a spot right now where you're saying, nope, I'm not gonna choose that which is easy. I'm gonna go forward with what is right, with integrity and with character. I'm gonna keep on moving towards what it is that God has for me. See, I've made mistakes in my life before. I've done the wrong thing in my life before and it's affected me down the road. And we might think that it won't and we might think that we can get away with it, but at the end of the day, everything comes to the light. Everything is revealed. Everything comes forward up unto the surface. But even through the mistakes and even through the difficult times that you've gone through, God can still use those things to bring you to the calling and the purpose that he has for your life. Because maybe you're thinking to yourself, I've done too many things wrong. I've fallen short. And we're actually going to get to those things in just a little bit. We're going to be praying for you. We're going to be praying that God will not just restore you, but also lead you towards the path that he has for you. So there's hope for you. There's still a way out for you. Because maybe you're looking at your life and you're thinking, yeah, I have chose the easy way out. I have done what is easy rather than choosing what is right. But yet God still has a calling and he still has a purpose over 
your life. Just because you've made the mistake before doesn't mean that you have to keep on making it because the future depends on it. Let's end with this. We're going to be ending back in Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be ending this passage of scripture starting off in verse 8 and going up until verse 10. As I'm saying that, Jake, the wonderful Jake, do I get on guitar? Dude, shred it. Matthew chapter 4, starting off in verse 8. Next, this is the last thing that Jesus is tempted with. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The last point of compromise, the last C that we're going to be talking about is counterfeit. Counterfeit. See, what we have to understand about the enemy and about the devil is that even though he has some power, even though he's able to do some things, he does not have all power like God. He does not have all the same abilities and all the same characteristics as God. But the thing that he can do is that he can take what it is that God has already made and he can twist it. And he can use it for deception and deceiving. And he can turn the truth of God and he can turn it into a lie. You see, he's not able to create anything out of nowhere like God, but he is able to take the things that God made for good and he's able to twist it for evil and for deception. It even says within scripture that Ultimately, Satan is the father of lies. It is within his character that he lies and that he deceives. He can't help himself. That's just who he is. It's in his personality. It's in his DNA. That's exactly what he does is that he twists the truth enough so that it looks like the truth, but ultimately it's not. Now, the interesting thing is in this part, as we start to wrap up, is that the devil is trying to give Jesus a counterfeit at this point. He's trying to give him a fake, twisted version of what it is that God has for Jesus ultimately. See, this is what Philippians 2, starting off in verse 9, going up until verse 11 says. It says, therefore God elevated him, talking about Jesus, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, but what the devil was trying to do was that the devil was trying to give Jesus something that he was already promised. He was trying to give Jesus something that was already gonna be his. But instead of saying, Jesus, you have to wait for that. Why wait? I'll give that to you right now. I will give you all power. I will give you all authority. I will let every single kingdom and every single nation on earth worship you. But instead of you worshiping God, you have to bow down and worship me instead. See, what the devil was trying to do was that he was trying to tell Jesus, don't wait for what God has for you. Take it right now. And can I tell you that the world wants you to have something right now that God ultimately promised you in the future. See, here's the thing, is that there's a time for everything. Ecclesiastes tells us that, that there's a time for everything. 
in life. There's a time to be alive. There's a time to die. There's a time to marry. There's a time to do all of these things. So there's a time for everything in life. Now there's our time and then there's God's time. And we have to realize that God's time is always perfect. And so yes, God calls you to be an amazing husband. God calls you to be an amazing wife. God calls you that you are great and you have a calling and you have a purpose over your life. But don't get confused with the counterfeit that the devil is trying to give you. Don't get confused with the love that the devil is trying to give you when it's actually not love, it's actually abuse. Don't allow the devil to try to give you some knockoff, cheap version of the real thing that God ultimately has for you. Because maybe you've thought of this before, if only I could get into a relationship, then my life will be complete. Then my life will be worth something. Then I'll be able to do stuff. Then I'll be able to have, you know, a great time. And what the devil is trying to do is that he's trying to give you this false sense of fulfillment. But that same fulfillment is already promised by God. And you think to yourself, well, I'm not complete because I'm not in a relationship. But the reality is, is that the completion that the devil is trying to give you is already promised and available by God. So don't fall for the counterfeit. Don't fall for this fake version of what the devil is trying to give you because it can never measure up to what it is that God has for you. But what did Jesus have to do? He had to be patient. The first word that's used to describe what love is in 1 Corinthians 13 is that love is patient. Isn't that interesting? It's not kind, it's not wonderful, it's not generous, but it's patient. And Jesus had to exercise the first thing in love and be patient and not try to hurry what it was that God was already gonna do inside of his life. But in order for Jesus to get there, he had to go through a difficult road. He had to go through beatings and people hating him and people not liking him ultimately to end up at the cross. And the reason why he ended up at the cross was because that was all a part of his calling. Because you and I, because of our compromise, because of our fall, because of our sin that we've intentionally put upon ourselves, it caused separation between us and God. And we have to realize that the calling that the devil was trying to stop in Jesus' life was ultimately gonna lead up to this point for you to be able to hear about Jesus and have an opportunity to receive him into your life. Because maybe you're thinking, yeah, I've compromised, I've fallen short, I've done the wrong things too many times, but from what I hear and from what I think, I'm not worthy of this grace. I'm not worthy of this love. I'm not worthy of this relationship with Jesus. But here's the thing, neither am I. None of us are. And yet, it's his undeserved grace and the love that we can never earn that's extended to us because of Jesus so that you and I would have the opportunity to know who he is. And I want us to have that opportunity right now. So if we could all just bow our heads, close our eyes in this place. If you're here right now and you would say, this is for me. I know that I've fallen short. I know that I've compromised before. I know that I've done the wrong things in my life and there's this shame and this guilt that I walk around with. It almost makes me feel like I'm too far. I've done too much. I've done too many, thing, too many things wrong and 
and I'm not able to become a right person anymore. But yeah, that's where Jesus comes in. He says, come to me all who are weary. Come to me all who are broken. Come to me all who have heavy burdens and I will give you rest, not just for your body, but ultimately for your soul. It's by confessing with your mouth, it's by believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he comes into our lives and he changes everything. So tonight, if that's for you, and you say, yes, I wanna be in this relationship. Yes, I want some tools to fight against this compromise. I'm, I'm, I'm done saying yes, and I'm ready to say no against the enemy and against compromise, and I'm ready to say yes to what it is that Jesus has for me. If that's you tonight, I'm gonna count down to three, and when I get to three, I just want you to raise your hand. It's just a simple act, but it's saying, God, here I am. One, two, three. If that's you tonight, just raise your hand right now. Amen. You can put your hands down. All across this place, as a family, as a community, if you've already prayed this prayer before, awesome, we're gonna pray it again. But if you rose your hand tonight, this is for you. So with all of our hearts, with all of our lives, with all of our spirits, can you repeat these words after me? Dear Jesus, here I am. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've compromised. And for that, I'm sorry. Jesus, I come to you and I believe that you are my savior and I want you to be the Lord of my life. Come into my heart, come into my life and make me new. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, can we make some noise for the people who gave their life to Jesus tonight? Hey, we're gonna get into a time of worship. Not right now, but just in a little bit. But like I said before, let's back up. For those who have felt like I've compromised too much, I'm surrounded by it. When I'm at school, when I'm with my friends, even when I'm at home. And there's moments where I just give in. There's moments where I fall short. And I feel like I'm on this trajectory where all I'm doing is just saying yes and yes and yes. And I'm giving in. And maybe tonight you're almost feeling like this worry and you're feeling this anxiety about yourself because you think if I keep on going in this trajectory, I don't really know where my life is gonna be at. I don't really know who I'm gonna end up with. I don't really know what type of person it is that I'm becoming. I wanna pray for each person that feels that way because I believe that God isn't just someone who extends grace, saves us from where we are and then just leaves us. But I believe that God extends grace saves us from where we are and then takes our hand and says, okay, now let's move forward. Let's go into the future. Let's go into the calling that I have for you. And I'm gonna help you become more and more like me. And you can have that opportunity tonight. But maybe you're also in this room. Or maybe you're hearing this online, wherever you are. And you look at your family and you look at the generations behind you and you come from a broken home, your grandparents got a divorce, your parents got a divorce, maybe a sibling in your family is in a bad relationship, and then you look at yourself and you can't help but think, I have no choice but to also end up in a toxic relationship. You know, if I get married, I know it's gonna end bad because my parents ended bad, because my grandparents ended bad. And you almost feel like compromise is the only choice. What I really wanna do tonight 
is that I want us to come to a place where we would be willing to admit that. We would be willing to do what it is that James tells us and humble ourselves before the Lord. But I also want to pray that God would begin to close the door of compromise on your life. And that even though generations behind you might have compromised, I wanna pray a prayer that says no more. Just because your grandparents did it doesn't mean that you're destined to do it. Just because your parents might have gotten a divorce doesn't mean that you have to. Doesn't mean that you're going to. Just because your father isn't in the picture doesn't mean that you have to be afraid to have kids because you're gonna end up just like your dad. There is no more fear. There is no more condemnation. And that's what I wanna pray over us tonight. So staying at our seats, and let's just do this. Everyone across the room. We're gonna do it again. We're gonna close our eyes right now. <laughs> Stop looking at me. <laughs> and the reason why I wanna do this is because I don't want anybody to feel embarrassed. I don't want anybody to feel like they're being watched, like they're being judged. I want people to feel free and confident to be able to stand in this moment to say, yes, this is me, but this doesn't have to be me. And so if that's you tonight and you want a prayer to be able to close the door of compromise over your life, you wanna be able to change the trajectory of your future family. You wanna be able to change the habits and the things that have happened in past generations in your life. And you just want me to pray for you tonight in that regard. If that's you, again, no one's looking. No one's gonna be looking around. Everybody's still with their eyes closed. I just want you to stand up right where you are, if that's you. Amen, amen. Stay standing, stay standing. We're not gonna be ashamed tonight. What the devil wants us to do is feel condemned and like we can't stand up but we can, because that's your heart, and that's where you're at. God, I pray for every single young person inside of this room, God, who's up on their feet right now, Jesus. God, I pray that you would help remind them of the love and the grace that is available from you, Jesus. God, I pray against any sort of condemnation that the enemy is trying to make them feel right now in this moment, Jesus. God, I pray against any sort of shame that the enemy is trying to impose on them right now, saying that they're no good, saying that this is how it's always gonna be, saying that there's no way out. God, we pray for your grace to be over them tonight, Jesus. God, we pray for your love to be over them tonight, Lord. God, we pray that chains of condemnation, shame, guilt, heaviness, anxiety, depression, burdens that have been on top of them, Lord, because of this compromise, Lord. God, we pray against any sort of addictions that they have accumulated through this compromise. And God, we pray against those things, God, and we say that those chains have to break right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. As your word says, God, in Matthew 11, that come to me, all who are weary and have heavy burdens. God, as we come to you with our burdens, as we come to you with our chains, as we come to you, God, with the baggage that we've been carrying around, not just from ourselves, but even from past generations, Lord. God, we lay that at your feet right now and we give it to you, Lord, and we find rest in this moment. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, I pray for peace over students' lives, Lord. I pray, God, for the peace that surpasses all, under, all understanding, God, to be over them, Lord, that it would guard their hearts, that it would guard the direction of their lives, God, that it would guard the decision-making over them, Jesus. And I pray, God, that it would guard their minds. I pray, God, that when the situation tells them that they should be anxious, 
when the situation tells them that they should be afraid or shamed or worried. God, I pray that your peace would surpass all of that, that it would come before all of that, and that it would guard the thoughts that are coming in and going out, Jesus, right now, Lord. Have your way over their life, God. Lord, I pray for the people that feel like their life is in the wrong trajectory, those who feel like that because of their family, because of where they're from, because of who they're related to, God, that that's somehow going to put them in the wrong trajectory. Lord, I just pray that you would bring a peace and an understanding over their heart, Lord, that tonight it stops. That tonight the chain breaks. That tonight, God, the chain of generational curses, the chain that is in divorce, the chain that is in the that is in addiction, God, the chain that is in anger, the chain that is in abandonment, God, stops right here and it breaks tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would be able to bring them forward in the calling and the direction that you have for them. Jesus, I believe that there is someone inside of this room right now, God, who's standing up, who is fearful that they are going to become just like their father. God, I pray that you would put a new identity over them right now, Jesus. God, I pray that you would bring a new perspective over who it is that you're calling them to be, Lord. And I pray, God, that they would be a better father than, 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 than they could ever be, Jesus, inside of their lives, God, and that they would not be fearful of the future. They would not be fearful of what it is that you want to do inside of their lives, Lord, but that you would bring them into the identity and the truthfulness of the father and the future father that you are calling them to be, God, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. God, we call for your peace. We call for your love. We call for your grace, God, to cover our minds, cover our hearts, Lord. Let us be reminded of your goodness, Lord. And let us be reminded, God, of all that you have for us in the future, Jesus. God, I pray that there would be a weight off of our shoulders. God, I pray that there would be a new perspective over us, God. And Lord, I pray that you would equip us with your strength and the ability to say no and resist the devil. God, I pray that even tonight, when they're alone, and when no one's around, and when it's easier to compromise than to do the right thing, God, I pray that you would remind them of this moment. And I pray, God, that you would remind them of her still, soft, gentle voice saying, I'm with you, I'm here, I love you, and what I have for you is so much more. God, remind them. Have that be deep inside of their minds and deep inside of their hearts, Lord. Strengthen them and be with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, everybody, come on up to the front. We're going to get started into worship. And this is a moment, too, as you start coming up. Only come up to the front, as we were saying before, if this is for you. If you want to worship, come up to the front. But if you know that you're not going to worship and you're going to be a distraction, just stay at your seat. Don't take away the moment that God's trying to put on somebody else just because you want to talk to your friend. It's not worth it. You know, in moments like this, in God's presence, things can change, things can happen. And all I want to pray is that God would speak to you, that God would be here, and that God would be able to cut through all of the thoughts and all the things that are going on inside of your life right now. God, we love you so much. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us during worship. I pray, God, that you would move through this place. And God, I pray that we would have the boldness to lift up our hands as free people. Have boldness, God, to sing out your praises to worship you, Jesus, in a room full of people, God, not ashamed of what it is that you've called us to, Jesus. God, I pray that for those who accepted you for the very first time tonight, God, would worship you with joy, 
would worship you with confidence, would worship you, God, with a new perspective, God, of who you are and what it is that you want to do inside of their lives. God, I pray for those who have came in here not knowing their calling. God, I pray that your voice would be able to penetrate their hearts, penetrate their minds, God, right now, and have your still, gentle voice, God, reassure them that you've called them. And God, I pray that you would even reveal callings tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord. Show them a way. Give them a word. Give them direction, God. As your word says, God, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God, be close to them and show them the direction that you have for them, Jesus. God, we love you in these times. In Jesus' name, let's worship. Do whatever you want to 
hands closed to a lot of things that God wants to do in our lives because we think that we have a better plan. And God knows that he has the best plan for us. So in this moment, let's just lift this up and say that we know that he has the better plan for us, God. That he's going to guide us into whatever he has for us and we're not gonna let that stop us from holding our hands wide open for what he wants to give us. And shake up the ground. There's a line in that song, um, so powerful, and it's, your way is better. And I think, honestly, the pinnacle of spiritual maturity is understanding that, like, you don't want what you want. You want what God has for you, because it's so much better. Our lead pastor, Pastor Zach, he says all the time, you'll never come in last by putting God first. Man, in this area of your life, put God first and watch what he'll do. And I, I felt like tonight there was like almost like a bit of heaviness in the room. But because I, I really felt like there was a sort of like hanging in the balance with some of your guys' calling. And that God has called you to things that would blow your mind. Amber and I, Amber and I are a couple of people who grew up without dads, 
the wrong, in the wrong neighborhood, the wrong family, every single statistic stacked against us. And if you heard half of the things that God has used us to do, the places we've gone, the things we've seen, I'm quoting a Dr. Seuss book right now. <laughs> You'd be blown away. We're blown away. But it all starts with just putting God first. And some of you chose to do that tonight, and you gave your life to Jesus. And as a family, we just want to say welcome to the family. Come on, guys, join me in welcoming some people into God's family. For everybody, man, God has a call on your life, and there's not a single compromise you can make that's worth it because his way is it's so much better. And there's not a better, more adventurous life that you could live than one for Jesus. If you gave your life to Jesus tonight, we want to connect with you. Uh, we have this thing called the next seven days. Just DM us at bridgeYTH underscore. DM us the words next seven. We'll get you the videos. If you don't have Instagram, find me, find Wyatt, find Amber, uh, find any one of our leaders. Say, hey, I don't have Instagram. I want the next seven days video. We'll get them to you another way. Hey, can you join me in thanking Wyatt for that awesome message tonight? Thank you, man. Hey, next week, somebody say next week. Next week is going to be a very, very unique week. Next week, we got our lead pastor, Pastor Zach, and his wife, Ashley, coming to youth. And we're going to do like a little panel type thing. It's something that we've done a few times, really in eight years, only a couple times. We're actually what we're going to do, we'll worship together, we'll hang out, all of that. But then um, we're going to split the guys and the girls um, uh, initially, Pastor Zach and I will talk to the guys, Amber and Ashley will talk to the ladies, and then we're actually going to switch, and then Pastor Zach and I will share our heart with you ladies, and then the ladies will share their heart with you guys. I hear the ladies are actually going to just teach you how to hit on girls in a proper way, in a gentleman way. You want to be there, guys. It's going to be an awesome week. Somebody say next week. Don't miss next week. Hey. Let's worship one more time. Go out of here with some victory and some joy. Come on, let's worship.
be the same. My heart's forever changed. I know the old me is over and buried in the grave. I don't care what they say, cause I'll never be ashamed of. It's not the same me one day, the time that's never faded. Next Wednesday for the panel, Pastor Zach and Ashley.